The winning streak comes to an end. We will not be going streaking tonight. The Celtics kept things interesting in the fourth quarter, but weren't able to overcome a poor defensive showing early on. The commiseration begins next on First to the Floor. Who is going to be first to the floor here? And it was Marcus Smart as he usually is. That's not the first time we've seen a superstar in Green and White sacrifice my body. Hey, hey, welcome into another episode of First to the Floor, our first as members of the Celtics blog team, something that we are very proud to officially announce just earlier today, in fact. Very, very unfortunate, however, that it comes off the back of a massively <laughs> disappointing streak-ending loss to the Bulls. Ben Vallis here. Thank you for joining us. Hope you're doing well. Shout out to everyone watching live on YouTube and everyone listening later on the Celtics blog feed, our new home. I'm, of course, joined by two legends of the Celtics podcasting world, one of which is Wayne Spoonie. Spoons, welcome, sir. How you doing? That is a way over sale of uh, Jake and I, but that's all right. We'll, <laughs> well take it. Speak okay, for, of me, speak of for me, yourself, yeah, man. Yeah, yeah Spoonie. <laughs> um, you know, I'm doing good. Like, that's a tough loss. Yeah. Uh, I'm a little bitter, um, but hey, we're 13 and four, right? Like you're going to lose some games for the rest of the season. Yeah, it could be a lot worse. Uh, and look, of yeah. course, a man whose infatuation with Derek White only grows stronger every day. Jake Eisenberg. <laughs> Jake, how's it going? Welcome. Uh, I, I am falling head over heels for Sir Derek White. We've got to use some more Derek White tonight, I think. Yep. I'm doing good. In spite of the loss. Feeling good. Glad to hear it. Feeling good somehow. I think we're all a little bit excited about at the beginning of our Celtics blog journey, which might be softening uh, the misery that comes mm. with a loss, but the same can't be said for anyone tuning in. So we will commiserate this appropriately. Now, obviously, you're here to listen to us talk about basketball. We are going to get to that very soon. But as this is, like I've said already, our first episode with Celtics blog, we would be remiss if we didn't do a quick introduction. So... The name of the show is First to the Floor. Really, that is an homage to the Marcus Smarts of the world. The pod's going to be five years old coming uh, this coming February. So there's five of us in total, and Jackson and Joe aren't on this episode, but you'll hear from them in the near future, I'm sure. We're a group of unwavering Celtics tragics, and we started the show back in the day due to just our insatiable appetite for more Celtics content. We all kind of look at the game differently, I think, which is what makes this show uh, relatively successful over the years. Plenty of analysis, plenty of humor, some of it intentional. Spoonie, Jake, anything to add to that? We do. We do have different takes. You know, I like Spoonie really helps me stay level-headed at times. <laughs> um, he's really, he's kind of become my math tutor uh, since yeah, I joined right. the pod, which has been really helpful. Terrifying. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm definitely more of a vibesman. Um, but yeah, I, I'm stoked to be joining Celtics Blog. And yeah, it's great. Yeah, well, let's go. Yeah, let's jump into it, man. People, we I was on with you for that quick 10-minute pod we did earlier. You know, I already expressed like 10 different times. I'm super, super excited. <laughs> so let's do it, dude. Let's get let's into it. jump into that game. The Bulls, they did beat the Celtics. The Celtics lost 121 to 107. Uh, first of all, I want to start by saying that all winning streaks come to this disappointing an end naturally. Like, this was inevitable. We weren't going to win the remaining games of the season. The Celtics were going to lose. Unfortunately, you know, the Bulls, they were on a bit of a slide themselves. It's disappointing that it came at the hands of those Bulls. But all winning streaks do end, and they all feel this bad when they do. So don't don't worry about it. We'll, we'll get another winning streak going. <laughs> Jake, do you want to kick us off with this? Like, what were you looking for heading into this matchup? Yeah, man. <laughs> you never think it's going to end, though. When you're in the midst of winning nine in a row, you're like, 
maybe maybe this will never end. This is the best team that's ever lived. <laughs> um, coming into the game, uh, I this had trap game kind of written all over it. I thought the Bulls were. It almost was like the inverse of last year in where Marcus called out the Jays after the Bulls game where they blew that twenty point lead. That was kind of what the Bulls went through at the end of there. They blew a lead to the Magic. Uh, Billy Donovan pulls Zach Levine. Everybody's answering questions about it. Um, so I was thinking either today the Bulls are going to come out strong or if the Celtics are able to kind of match that and get out to an early lead, they'll just blow them off the court. Um, the opposite happened. It was um, very painful, one of those painful losses. Like if they would have come out and played well and lost, that's fine. But turnovers, no effort, no defense, Tatum rolled an ankle, uh, fake comeback, that two little, those two uh, calls by the ref, one where Derek White got called for a phantom foul and then they called a lane violation. I was ready to just quit talking about basketball for the rest <laughs> of my life and just move to the mountains and never connect to internet again. Yeah, agreed. Spooty, any thoughts? I, I think we're getting to the point now where we just have to admit the Bulls are a really bad matchup for us. I, and what is I, this? What do you mean? I, I mean, they, they've... Take I don't understand. I don't understand how it keeps happening. The freaking Bulls, dude. Yeah, here's like I think the biggest issue. I'm a big time Vooch hater, but um, I just don't think he's a winning basketball player. At least in the playoffs, we switch so much, and Vooch is one of the few centers left in the NBA that if you put a guard on him and get him the ball on the block, he's going to score. Uh so. And in addition to that, if you've got a guard on him and he's not the guy taking the shot. He's going to muck it up on the offensive glass. He just makes things really difficult for how we want to play defense. And you've got DeRozan, who was just, I mean, he had a kind of rough first half, but he was cooking everybody in the second half. He had made five threes coming into the game and went three for three with that one three. When we were making a run there in the fourth quarter, he got double teamed and somehow got that to go. That's when I was like, okay, this game yeah, is it. definitely over. Um, but he just gets himself into the mid range. We don't like to double. Uh, you know, we don't really trap. We just let guys ISO us. And that's how we've had an incredibly successful defense for the last 18 months or 12 months. And, uh, when you've got a guy like DeRozan who's happy to ISO you 40 times a game because that's when he's the most effective, uh, it kind of plays into their hands. Um, so I just do not. And DeSumo doesn't miss against us. And Caruso does a really good job getting up into the Jays, making their life difficult. So Bulls are just a tough matchup for us for whatever reason. I swear I swear, they just don't take him serious. It's just yeah. like they, they, they think that they're better. Anyway, go on, Ben. Well, yeah, he does have the sort of soft appearance, right? The sort of the Euro big man who's not, I guess, typically a powerhouse <laughs> down low. But I think the last time we played the Bulls, we did a post-game show. We were calling him like Nikola Hakeem Olajuwon Vucevic, which is yeah. with all Rolls the- off the, the tongue. Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, my next child, actually, I'm going to name. <laughs> Ben's always so good at naming things. <laughs> Absolutely. Got a good track record for that. Yeah, the amount of times he had little little guards, Derek White for one, little obviously relative to the size of Nikola Vucevic, uh, trapped down low because of that switching that we do. He is able to capitalize uh, on those situations more often than not. There was one moment, however, where he had Marcus Smart down low and you could hear the collective like balls crowd drooling at the idea of Vucevic getting the ball 
which he did. And I think Marcus Smart immediately forced a turnover or somehow stopped him from scoring. And it was just like, Bulls fans don't know. NBA fans outside of Celtics fans just don't know. And we'll get to Marcus Smart's sort of comeback performance. Uh, they just don't know the impact that Marcus Smart has in the post against bigger guys going back to, you know, going one-on-one against Paul Millsap back in the uh, the 20, I would say 2016 playoffs against the Hawks there. Anyway, I digress. Sean Grindy said multiple times on the broadcast in this game, it's just that kind of night. I think I counted him saying yeah. it like eight times throughout the game. Uh, it really was that kind of night. Spoonie was there. I mean, I, it's it's difficult to break down a loss uh, of this magnitude and of this level of disappointment. Was there a moment, uh, at which moment in the game, I should ask, did you think, okay, this is completely over for the Celtics? Um, I think when they pushed, what, I think Patrick Williams in the third isoed Tatum. That's what and I like had. Hit like a ball, really? <laughs> yes. Ball away 20-footer over Tatum. And it's like, all right, man. Sometimes you're just not going to win a basketball game. But I really hated, hated the way we played offense in the first half. But um, Jake, I'll let you t- st- give us your moment when uh, you felt like it was over. I thought it was early. Um, it may have been either Tatum or Jalen or both when they just got blown by. Like they barely even touched. Yeah. Whether it was DeRozan or Patrick Williams as they blew past them. I was like, okay. I'm I'm not sure if we're going to be able to come back against this team. We did it against the Thunder, um, but I, that, I felt I felt it pretty early, and I and I tweeted I was like, and when they started to get it close, I was I was very ready to just surrender, get a twenty point lead out, and then and bench the fellas. Um, instead, we end up with still racking up a fair few minutes. Um, but that DeRozan, he threw up a bomb um, at the end of the shot clock as well. That one also sticks out as like, oh okay, this is a fake comeback. What about, I'll add another one to the pile there, Andre Drummond hitting free throws, and then when he did this, oh, yeah. we get called for a lane violation, oh, he gets my- another opportunity. What's going on? It's just, it was just never meant to happen. We were never Bizarre. meant to, to win this game. I was f- furious. Spoonie, my gripe in this game, particularly early on, was with the Celtics' defense. You mentioned you didn't like the way the Celtics were playing offense. Speak more on that. Yeah, I hated how they played both ends <laughs> in that first half. It's kind of a miracle it wasn't a bigger lead for the Bulls in the first half, but... um. I felt so I am not a offensive prude, right? I am not one of these people who's like, <laughs> stop shooting so many threes. What are you doing? I'm not that guy. The types of threes they were taking were just so lazy in that first half. It was like maybe one pass, yeah. sometimes two, fire up, often with a, a guy closing out hard in your face. And if somebody's closing out hard, that means you can go by them. You can pump and go. Uh, and then kick and get that ball moving. I thought in the second half you saw more of the ball movement. It, um, but even worse, in this whole game, where was the off-ball movement and the hard cuts and the setting back screens and just generally two actions happening at the same time? I mean, it really felt like last year's offense mm. in a lot of ways, um, which is not... Yes. A compliment at all. And I, I think we were talking about with Forsberg about if we want our defense to improve, maybe we need to play offense a little slower. And maybe that's what we are seeing is Joe saying, like, we need to chill out on offense and actually try to get our defense back to stuff. Well, if that's the case, it did not work. So um, I just I just felt like they were really out of sorts offensively. Yeah, they. I, I, we didn't have the numbers yet, but like I would love to see the amount of attempts at the rim they had in the first quarter because mm-hmm. it felt like it was like two. Um, yeah. 
Yeah, and and yeah, it was it was because they're 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 really good, and so they were able to get pretty open shots. But it was like you know Tatum, Jalen, pick. I think even in the third quarter, and Jalen made the three, but it was like Jalen, Tatum, pick and pop. But it was just like Tatum looked like he was asleep throwing the ball over his head to Jalen, and he knocked it down. And I was like. I guess that's good, but you're just like kind of like rewarding bad behavior. And I was like, then I kind of wanted to miss. It's like so they they put their head down and they started to do it later when it was too late. But yeah, the first quarter, and this is this is the doldrums of the NBA season. Mm-hmm. Um, not not specifically this month, but like this moment, you're just gonna go through ebbs and flows of like it is early, but it's just gonna go through the ebbs and flows of a season that's twenty games too long. Um, Especially when you're winning nine in a row, you're up in Chicago. It's just human nature to, and I, they haven't been punished for it yet. So like they came out, I didn't think they played that well against New Orleans or Oklahoma City either, um, but they won. So going back to like rewarding bad behavior, it's like, well, okay, well we can just kind of win if when we when we're not that locked in. Yeah. So let's just 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 take it easy again. Yeah. Ben, can I could I pose a question to you about the defense, please? Was this Tatum's worst defensive game in like three years? Yeah, I was gonna say, dude did not look <laughs> dialed in really on either at end at all. And nope. he he's got the superstar sexy stat line. Like, look at it, it's twenty eight oh points. My God. Okay, four turnovers. Let's ignore that. Twenty eight points, seven assists, eleven rebounds. But just the 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 lack of like, so good uh, dialed inness, for lack of a better term. <laughs> he really does not seem engaged with the team really at either end at the moment and it's really contrary to the narrative at the beginning of the season which is like you know this guy's coming off a loss in the finals he's super dialed in he only cares about winning and playing within like the the construct of the team and suddenly it's not that at all i don't know do you guys want to expand on that because you're absolutely the right to call that out spoonie yeah, I think last game, even though he had the 10 assists and everybody's, oh, he's making the right play. It was, again, it was a lot of the the lazy shots. And for next episode, maybe we pull up like the rim attempts um, for Tatum over the past kind of two to three games. It feels like they're down. And not only are they down, um, he's he's not playing with, he's not getting as low as he was before. He's not playing in control, off two feet, going through contact. It's It's felt very like against the Heat and against the Warriors, throwing up some some more crap at the rim and kind of he's the complaining's not he wants to so badly yeah he just cry he wants, so <laughs> i'm proud of him but um he is trying yeah there's a, yeah he's doing yeah he's trying he's yeah it's he's regressed a little bit from playing like the best player in the nba to to putting it i can't believe it. when i checked the box graph after the game i was like oh sh- can't believe he had a 28 11 and 7 game <laughs> yeah. um, it was maybe one of his worst games of the year i thought yeah and it so the Bulls, I think uh, Scal highlighted it on the broadcast, and he was spot on. The Bulls were just daring us to shoot threes, which is fine. But t- I feel like Tatum could have got us an open driving kick every single time down the court. And you're right, Jake. Like he had the, he would do a lot of like the pick and pop, kind of float it yeah. over to Horford, and it was offline a bunch of times yeah. and sling it. You know, he had a couple amazing passes, but he just seemed like. He went to the cup like two or three times in that first quarter, and I think he probably did get fouled, but he didn't get the call. And it seemed like he was like, all right, well, I'm just done going to the rim if I'm not going to get calls tonight. Mm -hmm. And you just can't have that, man. Like DeRozan had a terrible first half, and there he is relentlessly attacking, getting to his spots, crossing Tatum up multiple times in almost embarrassing fashion, which is something you do not see from 
Jason Tatum very often. So I don't know if Deuce isn't like sleeping at night or something. Because as a parent, I've been there. It's horrible. Yeah. Oh yeah, he probably is a night nurse. But uh, yeah, they're on the road. Yeah, they're on the road. So I I just don't know what is going on. I don't know if he's like I gotta dial it back and conserve some energy here because he was already feeling it from the first ten games. But uh. I'm a little worried on the scale of one to ten. What do you are you guys like? I'm like a three on the worried about Jason Tatum scale. What about you, gentlemen? I'm more worried now. I'm ready to log off what? and end the podcast. <laughs> You're freaking me out here, Spoonie. I mean, it's, it's not to speculate too wildly, but it's probably fair now while we're on this subject to call into question, obviously, the health of the wrist, which is the wrapping on that thing is growing. Yeah. It's evolving like a Pokemon. And then the ankle situation, I think he came down harshly on, on DeMar DeRozan's foot. DeMar, I hear it, the less I like it, DeMar DeRozan. Obviously, injured a lower extremity there. Is it, is it fair to start to call into question the health of Jason Tatum, or do you think it's just a mental lack of engagement, Jake? Yeah, I don't think it's the health thing. Um, Thank you for saying big that. Big game against the Mavs. <laughs> big game against the Mavs. ESPN national game. Luka Doncic at home. Like MVP on MVP. If he comes out again and he's not playing defense, then maybe that's the, those are the questions we can start to ask, or we can ask some of the people that get to ask the questions to ask the questions <laughs> of Jason Tatum, um, because I can imagine he gets up for up for the one against the Mavs. Yeah, I mean, yeah, let's hope it's so. got to be circled on the calendar, surely. Yeah. Uh, I would think so. Just getting back to, I guess, the, the team versus team stats before we run down some other individual performances or lack thereof. Just looking at the rebounding disparity now, the Celtics, 43 rebounds, the Bulls, 59 rebounds. They out-rebounded the bleep of us. Interesting. And three-point shooting percentage as well, 48.3 from beyond the arc for the Bulls and 38%, yeah. which is like not terrible <laughs> for the Celtics. I feel like, is it fair to say we were... An Al Horford average shooting night away from like being completely in and maybe even winning this game. Yeah, 0 for 9, 0 for 7 from 3 yeah. on a lot of wide open ones. Uh, yeah, I mean, Grandy talked, spoke about it. He, he was due for it. Like, he'd pretty much made every three in the past two weeks. So um, he was bound to. It's, it's, you just hate when the regression all comes in one go. It's like, let's just give, give, us, a, give us a two for seven. You know, yeah. and then another two for seven. We can work with that. Progress slowly. Yeah, <laughs> not all at yeah, once. Don't fall. Exactly. Yeah, um, the three, the threes were. I actually took a note at the end of the first quarter. Like the math works. They were thirty percent, I think, from three after the first quarter, um, and they were only down five. Like, the, as bad as the offense kind of looked, they still. What did they put up? One hundred and seven or something. Um, yeah, one hundred seven. It's not not a lot, but like the, they they put up a lot of threes and they made enough. It was it was the other end of the court that was the issue. It it was like we needed to shoot them out of that defense early to open up the driving yes. lanes. Mm -hmm. And by the time we started making enough shots, it was like too little, too late. Um, we and then you know the Bulls are like, well, they just kind of sat on this twenty point cushion that they almost let slip away. <laughs> Uh, because we started making our shots, but like, had we hit like a flurry of threes to start that game off, the Bulls aren't throwing four in the paint every time somebody drives. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, I think this is a, a pretty comfortable Celtics win. So it's just, it's very frustrating watching them take such bad threes in that first quarter because it can be so important for the flow of the game as it goes on. And man, some of those threes were so bad, man. Yeah. <laughs> so bad. <laughs> 
Speaking of so bad, I mean, I don't want to be, I don't want to be <laughs> yes. too much of a bad Let's detractor go. here. Marcus Smart returned in this game. I don't want oh, to say gosh. he was so bad, like because he kind of got to cut him sl- some slack, right? It was clearly a right. dude returning from an injury who has been vocal in that that injury is still somewhat of a factor and may continue to be a factor throughout the course of the season. Spoonie, just general, we don't have to spend too much time on it because it was pretty brutal. Thoughts on Marcus Smart's return? I thought he looked okay to good defensively. I will say Mm -hmm. that at times great defensively. Um, He just really looked way out of sync and out of sorts offensively. I can't remember. He had eight assists, but I can't. I mean, that felt like I'm just kind of moving the ball and the guy makes a shot assist. It's not like he created those plays and then it was like a dump off or something like that. Um, And he had some pretty bad turnovers like Mm -hmm. the other ball handlers on the team did. So, uh, yeah, (laughs) not a great his left hand. He finally missed with it. I'm I'm not sure that happened before the season. So a pretty uneven to bad performance from Marcus, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. There was the one where they were kind of clawing back and they were on the fast break and he tried to force it into Tatum. And just went back the other way for two. I think it was on, it was like, that was the, maybe it'd been the seven point late. Like it gotten down to seven when he threw that one and then it went back the other way. Yeah. And it's just, you know, we, we had been praising the sexy Marcus passes um, before he, he missed the last couple of games, um, averaging like 10 plus assists, to like less than a turnover. So it's kind of a bummer to see it. It just felt like all of the things swung back at the same time, the other direction, um, yeah. which is, which, just kind of what I feel like makes the loss hurt more than if they would have just like played more evenly overall and then lost like a tight game, which maybe would have hurt worse. Um, but yeah, just <laughs> yeah. listen to listen to us trying to like justify and reconcile with this loss that we're just completely not used I'd to. I prefer to get low <laughs> now. I don't know. I think I was. God damn it! It was rough. Uh, yeah. Malcolm Brogdon. I suppose, you know, he's pretty rusty in his first return back. In this game, 8 for 13 from the floor. Had some good moments. Was maybe one of the better Celtics at getting to the rim in this game. Uh, hit a number of three-pointers, some of which he was completely wide open for, and he seemed very happy to take. Uh, and was very efficient operating out of the pick and roll, although we didn't see too many Malcolm Brogdon pick and roll possessions in this game. Off the top of my head, obviously the tracking data is not available right now. Spoonie, what do you think about Brogdon's second game in his return? Um, I, I still think he does not look quite right. Not in like a, he's super hurt way, but just like feeling his way back into the game. Um, he was getting downhill a little bit, but not in sort of the relentless every possession Malcolm Mm -hmm. Brogdon style we saw before the injury. So I thought he was probably our best player, uh, depending on how you want to look at Tatum's performance, but, uh, he's, you know, it's encouraging He's kind of bolstered by five or six from three. Um, and I think DeRozan got him a few times yes, real did. bad on defense. So that's not ideal. But uh, yeah, overall, Brogdon was a huge improvement from that first game back. So yeah, if we want to take a one positive away, I can be Malcolm Brogdon's performance for sure. Yeah, and I think we saw this when the season started. He was good, but you could kind of tell that he wasn't exactly sure. Yeah where and how to pick his spots. Yeah. And I think that he's just finding finding his way in that regard again. Yeah, I, I kind of feel similarly about Brogdon's game to Tatum's game in that the numbers look really good, but I didn't feel like he played that well. 
Um, like so, obviously, like obvious thirteen shots, six of them were threes, and he made five of those. So, someone gonna help me with the maths, but he was not very good from two point range. Um, <laughs> no, he was not. <laughs> yeah, and so like, yeah, he did get to the rim a couple of times, but I think he forced. He also forced up a couple where like they didn't even like touch the rim when they came off the backboard. Yeah. And versus you, you contrast this uh, against the Bulls game where he I think he was nine for ten, right? Um, that was that was the that was the Malcolm Brogdon party game, the machine gun dribble. Um, simpler times, good memories um, from, so from that day. Ago. <laughs> yeah, so long ago. Days so many ago. wins ago. <laughs> yeah, many moons. That would have taken this team like a month to get that many wins ago. So let's let's keep that in mind. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So finding his rhythm again. Still, yeah. Twenty five minutes, six assists. Um, I, I'm surprised we didn't see a lot more of Derek White today after how well he's played and needing energy and ball movement and defense to not get him going. I was, I was calling for Peyton Pritchard as well. Um, yes. Just, but just when they were, it's like, Joe, we're down 15, 20, like just chuck in the guys that play fast and hard at all times. And that's Derek and Pritchard. Yeah, only 18 minutes for Derek White in this game. Mm. 0 of 3 from 3. Like The shot didn't seem to be falling at that same rate, but I wonder if part of that is due to him being like, okay, well, my minutes are going to be supremely limited based you know, compared to what I've been seeing the last few games. So I've really got to jack my shots up here. On one hand, that doesn't seem like Derek White's MO. He seems like a more tapped-in kind of guy. But on the other hand, like we're trying to look for excuses and reasons for why he had such a a fall off based on his recent performances. And maybe that he felt rushed in the limited minutes that he knew he had mm. going into this one. Any Derek White thoughts, Spoonie? I know you're working on a Derek White video for our YouTube channel right now. I am. Yeah. <laughs> um, Dwight shoot. How Derek <laughs> became the assistant to the starting line. Or the- <laughs> Can't wait to see it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I love it. Uh, but I think D White got pinned in by Vooch a few times when we were mm. switching. And I think Joe saw that. And that's just one, you're going to put a lot of miles on Derek White in what is effectively a meaningless game, asking him to switch on a Vooch and bang with him down low. Um, and two, he stands absolutely no chance down there. At least Brogdon's, you know, six, five, mm-hmm. he's just a lot bigger dude. And I wonder if that's why we didn't see Pritchard either. Um, because, and Drummond too, right? If you switch D White onto Drummond and they shoot, Drummond's getting that rebound. Um, so the two smaller guards just really did not play much and Pritchard not at all. And I think it's probably because of that. Because I'm with you on the offensive end. Derek White's the only guy with a positive plus minus in this game. I know. Yeah. Just plus one. <laughs> um, he did, you know, he missed the threes, but he was two for two from two. Um, and he's going to always bring that ball movement and then just, which we were desperately in need of, and the off ball movement, which we were also desperately in need of. So that's the only thing I can think as to why his minutes would have been limited, especially with Smart basically stinking up the joint. Mm-hmm. So it's not, it's not like, well, Marcus was so good. How are you going to play Derek White over him? I'm confident Marcus Smart will be back. Uh, we're not going to get yeah. to all the players. Oh, yeah. We're not going to get to Lukey Fourblocks. We're not going to get to Sam Hauser, who was kind of a, a no-show tonight. Jake, is it fair to say that Jalen Brown was the best Celtic in this game? Man. <laughs> no? I'm really I'm having a bit of a battle with Jalen and Moez mm. and one at the moment. Um, there's five turn- Well, how many turnovers were today? Five? Five. Yeah, it was yeah, five. five. And they're just the worst ones. That they're, they're, I need to see how many points those specific five turnovers led to. Like I think attacking- it was 30. Yeah. Felt like 30. <laughs> <laughs> at least. At least 30. And just like attacking Dasunmu 
at the top of the key, zero passes between the like. There was one late. I was watching with my fiance, and we, we, he, was just, he was just gone machine gun between between the legs, between the legs. Tried to throw a pass, like oh, like Vooch came over, Crusoe was right there, and we both were like, there was a hundred percent chance he was either going to dribble it off his foot or throw it away. And four seconds later, that's what happens. Just got we got to he's got to simplify. I was just trying to like look up like so like last. Last five games, he's averaging five turnovers a game. It's, Yikes. It's a lot. Mm-hmm. A lot of turnovers. Um, he's also, also averaging, you know, 25 on 50% from the, from the field. That's kind of the Jalen Brown experience right now. He's like, he's scoring at a pretty good rate, but it's just coming with some really frustrating moments. Yeah. More so than usual, I think. It does kind of feel like a lot of individuals are sort of drifting away from the cohesiveness that's made the team so effective so far. And a theme recently has been ugly wins. And I think that sort of feeds into the ugliness of those wins. Again, taking an optimistic take, maybe a necessary loss to help pull everyone back in and and, and Mm -hmm. finding that cohesiveness and, and remembering that they need to bring the best of themselves to these team team wins. Right. And Jalen Brown could start by not bringing five turnovers a game over the last five games to each of these games. Yes. It's, it's exactly like, you know, and Spoon, you'll probably remember this well, 2007, Patriots are 15-0, and 0, and they beat the Giants to go 16-0. and 0. They probably needed to lose that game, yeah, and they so- win the Super Bowl. So we needed to lose this game so we can now win the title. I think is what you're that's saying. That's it. Right? <laughs> that, now that's a turn, baby. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Jalen needs to stop jumping without a plan. That drives me at he has done it his uh-huh. entire career. And I swear he turns the ball over twice a game when he jumps in the lane and has no idea where to go with the ball. And the best case scenario is he throws it out of bounds and yes. it's a dead ball turnover. But often it's just straight to the other team for two yeah. points the other way. Stop jumping, Jalen. And Scout and Scout made an excuse for him on one of them where he's like, Well, Grant should have been in the corner. I was like, no, dude. He spun into three players and got in the air. It's like, just take Jalen's got to cop that one. Yeah. Come on. Well, let's let's keep the optimism sort of ramping up a little bit here, and then we will bring it down a little bit. We will talk about Jalen Brown again very quickly uh, before we wrap up. But Adam Himmelsbach of the Boston Globe reported recently that Rob Williams, the Time Lord, has progressed to three on three on court work. Jake, you've added these notes to our run sheet, I believe. So I want to I want to divert to you here, but it sounds like there's mm. some more promising Rob Williams I don't know, data out there to for us to assess. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, so we're at eight week point five out of twelve on the on the timeline. That's data as of today. <laughs> That's data, baby. Yeah, we like Jake. Data is straight straightforward, <laughs> easy easy for the people. Um, and so Lakers Celtics is going to be pretty much twelve weeks to the day. And the Lakers are actually on a three-game win streak against some of the worst opponents in the in the league. Um, so it's been kind of funny to see them kind of hype themselves up again. Um, but AD's looking good. It would be great to have Rob back for that matchup. And today, man, um, I might have to drop my Rob Williams, I miss you, Blink-182 video. Um, <laughs> yeah, today, do it. Yeah, I think. Um, <laughs> that was like, that's a, this is an example of like, you just need someone that's like, Vucevic has no chance of scoring over Rob Williams with like little hook shots consistently just doesn't happen but yeah i went on a nice little coaster walk around maroubra on where i live in sydney on uh, saturday and i was just fantasizing about rob being back after reading <laughs> decimal box story because i'm guessing we're going to bring and actually you know joining the celtics blog team we've been added to the slack channel 
and Adam Taylor, if you are listening, and I don't expect you to be listening at all, um, but we, there was a little <laughs> back and forth, and I'm like, I probably shouldn't get into a fight with my new coworker uh, on on day one. But um, it's 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 an interesting discussion on like how they're going to bring Rob back into the fold, how they're going to integrate him. I think that they should bring him off the bench to start basically playing the backup. I'm of the opinion of being like as cautious as possible and like pretty much for the rest of Rob's career cautious unless we get like multi years of consistent health. Yeah, I would bring Rob off the bench playing like 12-ish minutes per game for a little while, at least to start and then we can kind of go from there. I'm with start Rob off the bench. Sorry, that's a confusing yeah. way to put that. <laughs> yeah. When he comes back, bring him off the bench. But um, I would say for maybe like a week or two till he just gets his feet under him. Then I would uh, I would bring him into the starting lineup. But I would sit Al down and off keep Grant start. Yeah, I, I would bring Al. Al's 36. Yeah. Like, he needs rest too, you know. And you got Cornette's been fine enough. Um, So I would try to simultaneously keep al and rob's minutes down but i really really love the smart jays grant rob lineup um much more than i think the double bigs because that lineup is our lineup of presumably the future Mm -hmm. uh the starting lineup of the next four years of celtics basketball so i would just go to it now Al's putting on a lot of minutes right now. So um, with Rob, you have the luxury of kind of allowing Al to move to the bench, pick on some bench centers, space it out for Brogdon pick and rolls. Um, And that lineup, Grant does all the things you want for a guy next to Rob Williams. Shoots a ton of threes and can switch and can guard bigger, you know, except for the most behemoth centers. He can bang down low with centers defensively as long as Rob rebounds for him, which obviously we know Rob can. So that would kind of be my plan is, you know, a week or two off the pine and then put him right in the starting lineup. Still keep his minutes low. I'm with you, Jake. I don't I don't want to see him playing like 34 yeah. minutes a game or something like that, but like 25, 26, um, then use Alan Rob or Alan Luke to mop up the rest of the minutes. And I, I agree. I think that Rob should be the starter at some point. But I guess my point in the in the chat earlier that I didn't really get to is that I don't know if Rob really should be going above 25 minutes kind ever. of ever. Yeah. Except um, in the playoffs. Like, yeah, I guess yeah, late into the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And like, I, I, just, I just don't know if he's going to be a player that can give you 30 minutes every single game for three months in the playoffs. Like, there has not been a single moment in his career that's the reason he fell in the draft we've experienced it for his whole career at boston as well as he starts to ramp up he gets injured and so like 25 minutes 28 6 27 28 minutes a game as you're starting center for the next five years if you if you get that consistently that's a lot more valuable to me than like ramping him up and you're like okay we've tested the limits should we continue to leave him at this point because history tells us that like definitely not definitely not um, yeah, if it's game six and we're down 3-2 in Milwaukee, which you won't be, we'll be up 3-2 this time. Um, <laughs> like, yeah, you, you, you start to push, you start to kind of rev the engine and it's like, I'm not sure if I'm going to make it um, to the finish line here, but that's when, that, that's when those moments are, or when it's time to, to really push the limits. But like, mm-hmm. I'm just like glass, treat him like the crown jewels of everything because that's kind of what he is. Yeah. 
Yeah, he could play 40 minutes in game four of our finals sweep against the Warriors, the revenge <laughs> right. mission. Right, yeah. Yeah, I, I agree with bits and pieces of what both of you said, uh, namely that the biggest beneficiary of Rob coming back will be Al Horford in that he can finally get the rest that as a fellow almost 36-year-old, I know he needs. <laughs> I, we, all, we all know that. Anyone 36 and above <laughs> knows the rest. Even on, you know, Al's on the plant-based diet, whatever it is, like he's got to be he's got to be feeling it, surely. And he showed it today with his lack of uh shot making there so uh, hopefully Rob can come back soon and at least just uh, release some some pressure from the Al Horford valve there guys before we wrap up we'll get to the upcoming schedule Jalen Brown bit of controversy surrounding him and I, I want to make sure that I say right up front that I'm very self-conscious and self-aware of like three white guys doing it around the room on on this particular situation and, and how Probably unsuited we are to add that much commentary to it. So it will be brief. Uh, but if you are unaware of the situation, Jalen Brown retweeted, I guess, a video of a group of black Hebrew Israelites out the front of the Barclays Center who seemed to be there celebrating the return of Kyrie Irving. Uh, he retweeted that video with the word energy and then subsequently has sort of come out saying he wasn't aware like precisely who that group were and what they stood for and kind of uh, indirectly, I guess, apologized for that tweet. I'm trying to be, I'm trying to tread carefully here, Spoonie, but do you, do you feel like, like, you, are you satisfied with how Jalen Brown has sort of subsequently dealt with what was initially maybe a poor decision? Sure. I mean- <laughs> We could leave it there. <laughs> moving on. I didn't know- you know, I, I didn't look at that group and know exactly who no. they were uh, upon seeing them. And I've certainly fired off some tweets. Like one time I tweeted, man, this seems like a home game for the Warriors when they were playing the Cavs. Meaning like, wow, there's a lot of Warriors fans in Cleveland. Mm -hmm. The game was taking place in San Francisco. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just an idiot. Yeah. Uh, so like, I, I can understand how you would just try to fire off a tweet. Uh, the real problem is, he was, they were there in support of Kyrie Irving. Come on, Jalen. Yeah. Don't help. Why are you supporting Kyrie Irving? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think I can answer that, but Jake, I'll let you, I'll let you go yeah. first. <laughs> yeah, it's a can of worms. Yeah. Um, so, so like, okay, context for viewers. I don't even know if you guys know this, but like my, my full name is Jacob Adam Eisenberg. My, like my dad's side of the family is all Jewish. And so like, you know, people living in, I got cousins living in Brooklyn that are Jewish and practicing and stuff. So it's like, it's been like a weird little month um, for, for those people. I'm like, I'm not going to pretend like I'm not religious at all um, or anything like that, but um, it's just, it, it's just kind of dangerous to like, to not be very, very specific about what you are and are not supporting. I think just with like, over the, what's happened over the past, well, always is, is the case, but especially over the past um, few weeks, yeah, and but like I really empathize with Jalen as well. Um, if you like, if you guys want to really get some good perspectives on this, the Higher Learning podcast on the Ringer Network with Van Latham and Rachel Lindsay do a really good job of giving their perspective um, on the, the black perspective on the on the issues. Um, and and Jalen and Kyrie feeling like they're you know being backed into a corner, etc. So I just think that doing a little bit of extra research and being more specific with the points that you're making. Is really important. Hmm. Yeah. And I'd just much prefer to talk about basketball buckets and <laughs> things of that yeah. nature. Um, 
Yeah. That's probably a really good place to leave it. And hopefully we're not, you know, in a situation where we need to talk, have an ongoing conversation about this as the season progresses. We can well and truly leave it there. And like you said, Jake, there is the Higher Learning Podcast and probably several other podcasts from more yeah. informed people on the matter that will come out subsequently and talk uh, from a more educated standpoint on that. So happy to leave it there. Obviously, Jalen Brown, big part of the Celtics. So we had to at least acknowledge that. Upcoming schedule, guys, to move on. The Celtics are playing <laughs> at home against the Mavs on Wednesday night, Thursday daytime, Aussie time, and then the Kings Friday night, Saturday Aussie time, which most of our new Celtics blog listeners probably don't care about the Aussie schedule, but I'm just so (laughs) used to to putting that in there. Uh, Spoonie predictions for those upcoming games. We've had a loss now, so surely a bounce back 2-0, but I'll be happy to be, be convinced otherwise. I uh I really we have to beat the Mavs with Lucas at some point, right? Yeah. Like we're due. So I think we beat the Mavs and uh you know the Kings are an interesting matchup. That game might be like 170 to 155 yeah. against yeah. the Kings. So that'll be a really fun game, but I think yeah, you know, easy 2-0. <laughs> easy 2-0. I want to beat the Mavs so badly, man. Like as a Tatum over Luka agenda pusher, um it's going to be very very important. For us to win a game finally. Like, in, I've watched a lot of Luca this year and he's missed so many hero ball game winning attempts this season. And I'm like, You just know. He, he has never missed one against he's us. Saving it for in us. In his life. <laughs> um, like, last night was the worst one. Like, four seconds on the clock, he took literally a half court shot, pretty much. Yep. But that's going to go in. Uh, but 2 0. Yeah, I'm with Spoonie, obviously, confident. Yeah, Easy. two and zero. Oh, the the Mavs game, and don't hold it against me for feeling this way. But ever since Game Seven of the 2010 Finals, this is up there with like games that I don't want to watch. I just want to like quickly glance at the score of after the fact and just like that be the way that I take it in because otherwise it's 48 <laughs> basketball minutes of essentially like you said, Jake, living in fear of the eventuality of of Luka Doncic. You know, fulfilling his the latest iteration of his destiny, which is to torture Celtics fans. And then the Kings game, <laughs> yeah, Darren Fox just won Player of the Week in the Western Conference there. Those guys are on fire. You'd like to see like a good old Celtics flex there. Just like, okay, you guys are having a moment. We have the best offense in the league. We'll have to double check that after the game against the Bulls today. You know, we have a top three player in the league. Again, something we'll need to double check based on today's performance. Like, we, we <laughs> want to show you and the league that. So... I'm expecting a good old Celtics bounce back in, in both two games. I don't think that's too homerism of me to say. Like, I really feel like a bounce back in both games is on the cards now based on, you know, them sort of crapping the bed in this game against the Bulls. Oh, yeah. And I mean, going back to last season, um, the amount of games that we've lost two in a row, very, very minimal. Uh, I think the only time this season was the overtime game against the Cavs. Was probably, I think there was maybe a win in the middle there. But outside of the three games that we lost in a row to the Warriors, apologies, should have kept Governor tr- trigger warning on that one. But um, <laughs> we tend to rebound pretty well after losses. We just haven't had to do that. It could be one nine in a row and are the best record in the NBA. We've covered a lot on the podcast. We've done well, given the vibes coming off that loss against <laughs> the Bulls. Spoonie, Jake, anything you want to add? Any other thoughts you want to sprinkle on this one before we wrap it up? You can always count on us for the vibes. If you're a new listener, like win, lose, it's going to be just like, it's going to be fun at all times would be as I do, if I do say so myself. 
Or at least cathartic. Yes, if, exactly. You know, we're on a losing streak. <laughs> well, at least, uh, you know, you share in the misery together. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All of the above. All right, that is going to do it for this one. Thanks, hopefully, to all of our existing listeners for jumping over to the Celtics blog feed. Thanks again to our new listeners who were already subscribed to that feed. There's no Thanksgiving in Australia. I guess we just have nothing to be thankful for. So Jake and I, at least, will be back <laughs> with another pod on Friday. Keep an eye out for that one. Spoonie, Jake, love your work, mates. Thanks again. Thanks, Ben. All right. Thanks. Until next time.